Welcome to the Cap City Outfitters Podcast. This is episode 56. You've got Chris and Brian. Uh, today we're going to talk about keeping your powder dry, uh, metaphorically. Uh, if you've been paying it all attention to the news, um, there's been some interesting things going on in the state of Virginia uh, where the Democrats took control of the House. Um, they won basically six counties out of 90 in the state and then have decided to ramrod their agenda down the throats of all the citizens of that state. Uh, there's a big rally over Martin Luther King Day. Uh, something like 22,000 people showed up to the state house. Um, not a single incident or disturbance. Uh, arguably, I think everybody would agree that the grounds there were cleaner when everyone left than yeah. when they got there. Yeah. Uh, to which then later this past week, um, the state government in Virginia has introduced additional legislation to make it a crime to think of technically it's like criticize or threaten um, your legislatures or your legislators and state government officials, uh, which just kind of shows how it shows where the left is going um, with all of this. So keeping that in mind, um, if you don't have a rifle at this point, you need to fix that. Yeah, amen. You know, the keep your powder dry thing was a comment about your powder. It was a comment about having, you know, enough lead or enough enough musket balls, um, you know, enough flint or, or priming rope or flash rope and that kind of stuff with you um, in a serviceable weapon, you know, at, at all times. Um, you know, I, the, the, the left says, you know, well, the militias, the National Guard, um, anybody who actually thinks that's an idiot, um, there's no historical reference to that at all, never mind the fact that the National Guard didn't exist until like the 1900s, the early 1900s. Um, you know, so, you know, all these comments, it, it, there's a reality check about the power grab that the left is on. The vast majority of the left are, are not just progressives, they're go globalist, it would appear. Um, and I don't even know if they know that or not. Um, they're just being led uh, by the wiener ring through their nose. So, um, you know, we talk about a lot of this stuff, and it probably sounds a little bit wackadoo, uh, but there's there's a significant template around the world where this has played out again and again and again and again. Um, and we've seen it in places like Venezuela. We've seen it, you know, we can go back to Germany in 1939. Uh, we can go to China right now. Um, you know, when Russia, 1917. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, there's there's always been power grabs. It's it's what politicians and, and leaders do when people get something, they want more of it. Um, so, you know, this is just an example of that. And, and I think we're at the beginning of it. Um, but either way, so if we want to, if we're going to go down this rabbit hole, we're going to go down this rabbit hole. Um, this, this podcast and some of the information that we're giving you doesn't necessarily have to be about you being, um, you know, the guy with a rifle standing in the way of a tank. Um, it can absolutely be about you being the guy standing at the gate to your neighborhood, because if things go sideways and there is civil unrest, the, police services for minor things like petty crimes won't exist because the police unfortunately will be absolutely tied up dealing with with civil unrest with looting with rioting and that kind of stuff um in your neighborhoods the bad guys know that your local bad guy knows that you know the police are going to be tied up and response times are going to be non-existent um and so this may be as much about hearth and home as it is about god and country so um you know with with that in mind um you know we'll talk a little bit about you know rifles um, mags, ammo, some accessories, training, some things you want to look at, um, security devices and security ideas, um, you know, and, and, and press along through that. So, 
the, the first thing, obviously, we're going to talk about real quick, rifles. Uh, you know, going out and buying a, a good quality defensive carbine, um, you know, I, I'm not even going to pick on brands as far as to say what not to buy. We talk about that enough. Um, you know, but, you know, a, a Daniel Defense, a Bravo company, a, a good quality something or rather in a common caliber. Um, again, I'm not going to shove 223 down your throat. It's a rifle. It should be in a rifle caliber. But if you choose to buy it in a pistol caliber because your 9mm Glock mags fit that gun or you have a boatload of 9mm ammo around or the only places you can train are indoor ranges that allow, you know, pistol ammo, I don't care. That's fine. Um, you know, but go buy a good quality shoulder fired weapon um you know and 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 start there start getting a good tool um you know if you're looking at you know going into the business of building something um and you're going to buy good you need to go buy good tools and so you know if you're starting into the business of protecting yourself buy good tools to do that um if, if you're of a mindset that you want to try and build a rifle to protect yourself with um unless you have a rabbi out there who can show you the ropes who can show you how to do it properly um, you know, going on the internet and saying, oh, well, I saw this video on the internet. That's great because there probably are a few really good ones, but there are probably a few thousand that leave out steps, don't talk about torque values or in general are just wrong. Um, you know, so if you want to build one, that's fine, uh, but seek out somebody who can show you the proper way to do it. Um, be wary of the guy who volunteers. Your, your local AR nerd who builds guns for everybody might be your worst enemy when it comes to building a decent quality gun. Um, because a lot of those guys are the just as good ass guys. And then some of those guys are the guys who just want to buy the most expensive whatever part for each gun that they build because it's cool to have the most expensive amalgamation of parts out there. Um, you know, and just because it's the most expensive amalgamation of parts doesn't necessarily mean they were built to work with each other. So, you know, be aware of that, you know, stick with a pattern that's, that's a reasonable pattern. You know, the M4 exists in its current form, um, because in general it's modular and it works well. So, you know, if you're going to build your own gun, find the right guy to help you do it, find the right resources, the right tools to help you do it, and then make sure you go out and do a proof of concept on it. Go, go run a case of ammo through it, beat on it pretty hard, um, and, and don't stake your life on it until you've got some rounds through it. By the way, shooting a couple mags through it and calling it good is not the same thing as testing the gun. Quite honestly, running a case through it is not really what I would be happy with on a gun that I built for my first one. Um... You know, the first gun that I built, I ran through probably half a dozen two-day defensive rifle classes um, and put probably enough rounds through it that it was halfway through its service life before I felt like, okay, I actually trust this thing. Um, now I know a little more about it. So um, anything to add to, to that? Yeah, you know, if you're, you're looking at getting parts and building a rifle, uh, we're not looking for necessarily match-grade parts. We're looking True. for stuff that's going to work um, when it's dirty, when it's... yes. When it hasn't necessarily been, you know, maintained to a white glove standard, yeah. Um, you know, we're we we need stuff that's going to work above all else. Uh, and the same thing from you know from an accuracy standpoint, if we can put five rounds in the X ring of a B eight target at fifty yards over and over again, um, that's good enough. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and and I, <clears throat> I I I hate using the mil spec because the mil spec to me is almost this lowest bidder mentality. Um, I, I'm not sure how good the government is at that, but we won't get into that. I don't want to step on anyone's tears, toes here locally who does procurement for the government. Um, but there's a reality to, you know, the M4 carbine is generally, if it shoots inside four and a half inches, 
um, that that meets the government spec because the ammo they're choosing, the green tip M855 ammo, is generally about a four inch round. It's a four MOA round. Um, you know, so again, we're we're looking for minute a bad guy. Um, you know, kind of conversation. Uh, if it shoots better than that, that's great. Most good guns will. Most guns built out of good parts and assembled properly will shoot, you know, two inches-ish um, with a good shooter behind them. So, you know, bear those things in mind, um, you know, but you're looking for something that you you don't want to squeeze the accuracy to a point where you, ch you know, you challenge reliability. And you also don't want a gun that's so sloppy that you can't hit anything with it either way. So, uh, you know, in general, good quality parts assembled properly are going to get you where you need to be. So... All right, guys, now you got the rifle nailed down. Um, you know, let's talk about magazines. Um, you know, we, we, uh, most of us that are gun guys know that dude who has, like, a ridiculous amount of mags. Um, I'm not picking on on anybody that I shoot with on a regular basis, um, you know, whose first name rhymes with, well, I'm not even going to say it. Anyway, you know who you are. Um, they're all labeled, by the way. That'll make sure we all know who it is. Um, having, having more mags than not is a better thing. Um, I'm guilty of being a mag nerd. Uh, we've got a couple customers. One guy who comes in about every week and buys an AR mag, and he calls it his mag insecurity, um, and comes in and buys one. He's actually a pretty damn bright guy. Um, in, in addition to having mag insecurity, he's just pretty squared away in that regard. So, um, having enough mags if you've got a rifle i'm one of those guys that i want you know 10 or 12 mags is no matter what for any caliber semi-auto gun that's magazine fed um i would say if you had five or six that you wanted to stack a side squirrel away for now it's going to be a good start um but you know down the road just make sure they're good quality mags whether they're p mags whether they're um new in the wrapper gi aluminum mags um you know i, I if you got With a pot correct anti-tilt followers in them exactly yeah you know or or old gi mags without the right follower but with a handful of magpul followers installed ready to rock and roll um you know if you if you want to go crazy and buy you know steel mags from h and k or you want to go do something else that's cool just make sure they're good quality mags there's there are, are actually a lot of good choices out there there's some crap too but it's pretty easy to figure out what's crap and what's not so do a little bit of research there um, you know, I, I'm going to say 10 or 12 mags at a minimum personally. Um, but if you want to go more or go a little less, that's, that's your call. It's your money. It's your the, life. The correct number of magazines to have is all of all them. All of them plus one more. Uh, you know, and it, it is something too that, you know, under weird situations like we're talking about, um, mags become a really good commodity to trade with people or to sell for ridiculous amounts of money when they become scarce. Um, you know, so bear that in mind as you're buying them too. You know, maybe you do want to buy in bulk. So um, ammo, ammo is the exact same response, but times 10. Um, however many mags you think you need, you need enough ammo to fill those mags over and over and over and over and over and over because the vast majority of time you buy ammo will be cheaper than the next time you can buy ammo. Um, generally, right now, we are at an all-time low for ammunition prices, probably going back at least a decade. Yeah. Maybe further than that. Um, you know, so uh, we, the, the saying has always been buy it cheap and stack it deep. Um, do you need 10 cases of five, five, six stacked up in your basement? Yep. Yep. Um, you know, again, it's something that you can give to your buddies. It's something that when ammo prices spike and you want to continue to train, um, and shoot your gun, you can actually do that when your kids who aren't old enough to handle a rifle right now, you find yourself 10 years down the road and they're actually old enough to, to pick up a rifle and learn how to shoot a rifle. Um, whether it's just for recreation or whether it's because you're trying to raise another generation of Americans, um, you know, having some ammo around when prices go ridiculous or somebody decides to try and ban it or does a California where you can only buy one bullet at a time and you have to, and you have to give a kidney tissue sample every time you do it. Um, you know, ha having a, a, a fair amount of ammo around is a good thing. 
you know, generally for me, if, if I, I try and keep two boxes of 5.56 around just as training fodder um, and a third opened box. If I crack open one of the two that's not open, I go buy another one. Um, maybe that sounds a little ridiculous. Realistically, compared to guys who shoot a lot of rifle, I probably only shoot about 3,000 3, rounds, maybe 5,000 rounds of ammo in a big year, but 3,000 rounds of ammo pretty consistently out of 5.56. Um, I can introduce you to a whole bunch of dudes who shoot easily two, three, four times that much a year. Um, and if you're training with it and running drills and doing stuff like that um, on the range with live ammo, uh, 3,000 rounds a year is not very much. Um, 5,000 rounds a year is honestly not a real big deal. So, um, you know, bear that in mind as you're, as you're looking at buying ammo. If you find a good deal on it, buy it in bulk. That is the way to go. Um, you know, the, we, we do the 500 round packs from Top Shot. Uh, we also generally will bring in thousand round cases and have them here. Um, if, if prices bear that, if our distributor pricing bears that we can do that and be competitive, we do that. Um, but you know, keep a pile of it. So, um, anything you want to add with yeah. ammo quality wise, yeah, you know, quality wise, you know, buy good ammo, um, for your go to war ammo. You really yes. do want five, five, six spec ammo with the sealed primer, um, the annealed case neck that's made out of brass. Um, there's some, honestly, some really good deals to be had on steel-cased Russian stuff um, that might be good for plinking yep. um, and just having fun on the farm, but it's not the ammo you want when it comes down to fighting with it. Um, that stuff really has a habit of getting stuck in chambers and shutting guns down um, when you run them hard and get them hot. Plus, it's it's usually very, very dirty power powder. Um, and also, it's generally not very well manufactured projectiles. Uh, generally, that ammo is not super accurate. Not not yeah. all the time, but generally, it's not super accurate. Well, and, and additionally, that ammo will eat your barrel in anywhere from six to ten thousand rounds, uh, which might not be a concern to you right now, because uh, barrels can be are easy to get. Um, in the event that you know, barrels aren't easy to get. I want my barrel to last as long as it can. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and if you are going to look at buying, you know, Tula or or that kind of stuff in two two three to train with, you know, just be aware of some of those things. Be aware of those those wear intervals, and maybe make sure you have you know a, a spare bolt um, or at least a spare extractor, um, you know, that you can you can replace if you need to, and and maybe a spare barrel. But if you're buying ammo like that to save money then you're probably not wanting to spend money on a good spare barrel. So, you know, weigh some of those things out and go through those as rationally as you can. Um, you know, if you want to buy a lot of ammo to train with and that's reasonable ammo for you to use, also be aware that there's a lot of places you can't use that ammo. Um, to the extent now that there are some outdoor ranges that don't want steel cases laying around, um, some don't care, uh, some just want you to pick up your own, but there are most indoor ranges will not allow you to shoot steel cased ammo uh, in, in rifles especially. So. Um, you know, just be aware of some of those things. Um, training. Guys, I, I can't, we can't stress this enough. This is the holy grail. Um, the, the, guns, the gun is simply a tool. Um, you know, the mags are an adjunct you have to have with it. Ammo is something you need for, for most of the training you're going to do. Um, but the training, it's, it, it's the software. Um, the hardware is not going to do anything on its own. You have to have the software. Um, you know, we talk a lot about who some of the top-notch trainers are. We have these discussions in the shop and talk to people about it too. Um, we have people we recommend locally. We have people that we recommend, um, you know, on a on an Ohio level or then on a national level. Um, seek high-quality training, um, not glitzy crap. Seek good, fundamental building structural trainings. Go seek out training where someone's going to teach you the basics and drill them into you. 
and then beyond that, teach you the other things you need to learn that might apply to your weapon, um, your abilities, uh, where you live, how you operate, etc. once you learn how to actually use the gun. Um, but seek out the fundamentals of how to make the gun work and then how to actually fight with the gun. Um, there's not a lot to it, but ingraining those things so that, you know, like Brian says, they're, they're at a subconscious level is a really big deal. It costs money, it takes time, but it's also a heck of a lot of fun. Um, you know, but, but definitely go seek training from good professional trainers. Yeah, if you're looking for someplace, you know, relatively local in central Ohio, um, please, by all means, check out the Alliance Police Training um, Range and the instructors that they bring in. Um, that's a top-notch facility. It's approximately two hours away. Um, they bring in some really well-known, um, very well-regarded trainers um, at the national level and make it available to civilians. Um, you're looking probably around 250 a day with range fees um, to be taking classes up there. Uh, again, you like Alliance Police Training, uh, look it up on the internet and go check those guys out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, the training thing, you know, again, back to it's, it's the software for your hardware. Um, probably the most important thing you can do. Um, you know, so make sure that that's, I'm going to say where the bulk of your budget goes if you're looking at a three-year, five-year long-term plan for getting a rifle, getting trained up. The, the bulk of that should be training and ammo, not the gun. Um, so we'll throw that out there. Also, uh, maintenance training. Uh, one of our guys here uh, is has gotten into Sig Sauer handguns, and he is ponying up his own money to go take um, a Sig Sauer armors class uh, for the P320 series guns, uh, as well as some others, because he owns a number of them, and he wants to know how to make them work long-term, um, how to diagnose issues with them, how to fix them, how to keep them running, what parts wear and break out, etc., um, you know, most police agencies pay for one or two or more of their officers to go through armor schools for the guns that they run as professional end users. They want to have people on staff who know how to diagnose those guns, how to maintain those guns, how, you know, how to look and see, you know, inter where intervals, what needs replaced, things of that nature. Um, there are some places here locally that host some of those trainers, um, for the gun manufacturers, for Glock, for Six Hour, for, for Colt, if they're still around, for whomever, um, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it, it, avail yourself of an opportunity to learn those maintenance things. Um, and, and that goes along with having the proper tools, um, you know, the bore snakes and the proper fluids. You know, we use a lot of the slip stuff. It works very, very well. Um, but chamber brushes, bore snakes, uh, you know, a good rod cleaning kit to have too, especially a multi-piece one um, that you might keep in your kit in case you need to punch a stuck case out of a gun. Um, it, if you shoot enough, it does happen. Um, you know, that kind of stuff and knowing how to use it is a really big deal. Um, I don't care if you take your mat outside in a rainstorm and train with it, train, practice cleaning your gun in the rain on your mat. It, that I don't care whether you do that or not, but be the guy that cleans your own gun, maintains it. And then in that maintenance of your gun, take time to look at the parts and see what looks rounded off when it should be sharp. Take time to look for things like cracks starting on stuff. Take time to look for, um, you know, does your bolt actually have all three gas rings on it? Do that, you know, that PM aspect of it, not just clean it and put lube on it, but actually look it over and make sure you're in good condition there. So, you know, I won't beat that up too much. That's something we've talked about. If you have questions on that, definitely stop in the store. Um, we've got a great line of products and a couple different uh, brands that we can get you where you need to be, whether it's with the slip products because they make cleaning kits or whether it's with the real Avid stuff because they make some nice cleaning and maintenance stuff too. So, 
Um, so I'll, I'll leave that that alone. Um, anything you want to add to that? Yeah, I mean, the big thing is being able to field strip your weapon, clean it, lubricate it, get it back up and running. Yep. Um, being able to do that basic field level maintenance in a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, so that your rifle is ready to go again uh, is really important. Um, again, you know, a lot of guys, if you've been through like the Army or the Marines and you spent you know, four days cleaning and polishing the insides of your gun, so a drill sergeant can wipe, walk through it and wipe it with his white gloves and not get anything on it. Uh, in this case, like, you're kind of doing it wrong. Yeah. Uh, we're looking at, you know, can you keep your gun in the fight? Uh, and by a lot of that is just, you know, can you field strip it? Do you clean it, inspect it real quick, uh, and re-lubricate it and get it put back together and get back up and running, you know, in, say, five minutes? Yeah, what, what, did, what did Pat Rogers used to say? The Marine Corps destroyed more guns by cleaning them than they ever have by shooting them. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was a Marine. So, you know, we joke about that, but yeah, that, you know, we're not looking at white glove. We're looking at field maintenance here. Um, and the same, you know, the same Marines and army guys that we're, we're picking on they're they're probably chuckling a little bit. They know what we're talking about. Um, you know, there is, there is a place when you have the time and, and inclination to, to clean the gun up real well. Uh, but if you're white gloving it and it's coming away clean, then there's no lube on the gun. And that's a bad thing too. Um, you know, where this is not the beginning of, uh, desert storm where we want to, we, you know, we're telling everybody to keep guns dry. They probably need to be pretty wet on a general basis. This is probably the better way to go on that. So, uh, yeah. Um, last thing we'll throw out there is, uh, probably a general concept, um, that, that, that goes from your home to your office, to your vehicle, um, to wherever you are. If you're going to have, you know, a long gun or a rifle or an AR pistol or something like that, um, if it's in your house, make sure that it's secure from unauthorized individuals, whether that be, uh, you know, children who are not of an age to understand um, the consequences, uh, but are probably more than capable of flipping a safety off and pulling a trigger. Um, maybe even running a charging handle might surprise you how many kids can pick that stuff up um, pretty quickly from watching, you know, dad and mom train with the gun doing dry fire practice and stuff like that, or just handling it in a maintenance environment kids pick up quick. So make sure your weapon's secure um, in such a fashion that you have easy access to it to use it. Um, you know, and, and that may be leaving an unloaded weapon available and having a couple magazines and a quick access lockbox, um, you know, or, or it may mean having it locked up, locked up, and maybe you rely on the handgun for self-defense or whatever, that's fine. Um, and that could be in the form of a, you know, a great big two-ton safe, or it can be in the form of something um, that pins to the wall to lock the gun up. It can be in the form of a good quality lockable rifle case. Um, you know, and then if you get into your vehicle, you know, I don't know if you're going to look into gun vault type products or you're going to look into, you know, something from Hornady. Um, I've got one of the Hornady vehicle vaults that does a really good job. Um, you know, but come in and take a look at that kind of stuff too. There are a lot of ways you can secure the weapon from unauthorized users more than just casually. You can make somebody actually have to work for it. Um, you know, but you're going to keep a kid out of it or maybe a, you know, a buddy who's ever watching the ball game has had too many beers and goes to take a leak and gets stupid. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So make sure you're securing your stuff. If it's in a vehicle out in the world, make sure you're not supplying the bad guy with a rifle. Um, you know, do, be responsible in that fashion as well. Um, because A, you may need it at some point and it sucked to have it stolen. Um, and B, I don't want to give a bad guy a gun. And then C, beyond that, I surely don't want a tragedy from an unauthorized user. So make sure you're being responsible about that. Yeah, I would add to that, you know, your support equipment should be secured as well. 
So we're talking armor, um, chest rigs, your loaded magazines, uh, especially in a vehicle. Yep. Uh, we don't want somebody to just walk off with all that stuff either. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because the because the bad guy that makes himself harder to kill is a bigger threat than a soft bad guy. So, absolutely. So, guys, just just some stuff to think about around the concept of keeping your powder dry, looking around the crazy world that we live in today, um, and and making sure that that you're the guy politicians are looking at going, well, crap, how many of these people do we really want to piss off? Um, because there's a whole bunch of them growing tired of us. So, cool. Yeah, I'd add too, you know, if you've got kids and you want them to have rifles, the time to buy them that rifle um, may not be on their 18th birthday. It might be right now. Yeah, you can always buy it and put it in the safe. You can always buy it and have it. Um, when the world becomes funny, like New York, like Virginia, like Connecticut, like, you know, pick a state, whatever, California, um, you Washington, know, Washington, Oregon. Yeah. To sit back and go, man, I wish I'd have done that. Um, having that stuff now is, is way better than down the road. So, and then they can, you can teach them to keep their powder dry when, when you think the time's appropriate. So thanks a bunch guys. Yep. We'll see you soon. Uh, stop in and see us. We're in Hilliard, Ohio, 4465 Cemetery Road. Uh, we're on Facebook and Instagram. As long as they let us stick around. Um, you can find us at Cap City Outfitters, and you visit, visit us on the web at capcityoutfitters.com.